Welcome to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and Dee. I'm Maz Mary, And I'm Dana DelVal. Whether you're a person on an addiction sobriety path, or you know someone who is, we're here to talk about our journey with it. And more importantly, we want to help end the stigma and shame of alcoholism. And we want to bring some hope and laughter along the way too. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> we are, uh, we've put the camera on a tripod, which means we can see ourselves on the computer, which is just to the left. You know, it's a long ongoing process. So again, as I often say, if you see me doing this, it's not because there's somebody over there. It's because this is where the computer is. So if you're commenting, it's just going to be a little bit peculiar. Again, any producers with a few minutes on their hands, please, um, you know. <laughs> Drop us a line. Yeah, the need is terrific. <laughs> oh, good morning, good morning, good morning. We're waiting for our guest to join us, Kiesta Mock, uh, our friend and spin instructor, Dr. Mary. Yes. You know, it's interesting. Kiesta will be the third person to join us from spin. Oh, she will. Um, Jody Anderson Roper, who was the original owner, <clears throat> and Rebecca Elliott, both uh, people who we know from there. Let me just make sure that Kiesta isn't um, trying to get in touch with me. Say some. Oh, there she is. Oh, excellent. Okay. Let's just jump her right into the fray. Good morning, Hello. Kiesta. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? We're good. We're good, too. There we go. Oh, um, we're outside, too. Jealous. Yeah, we're in our sunroom. Love that. Yeah. Well, good morning. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. So your um, voice and sound is a little bit off. So maybe people just uh, let's try that. Say something now. All right. How does that, is that better or worse? It's the same. Your mouth is moving. It's like you've been dubbed, Kiesta. Ah, okay. Let me see here. Um. So uh, let me give a little backstory while Kiesta tries to figure this out. The other night I was watching the news and I looked up because I thought I heard a voice I recognized and it was Kiesta. And uh, I, I missed the beginning of what she was talking about, but it became pretty clear pretty quickly that she was talking about some facet of uh, really only showing the highlight reel on social media and how amazing her life was because she's got this great husband and two beautiful children. And um, it was- She can cycle up a mountain. Yes, she can cycle up and down a mountain. <laughs> and it seems like everything was perfect in her life, except it wasn't. And so Kiesta, say something now. Is that better or worse? Oh, that's gosh, better. Yes. There it is. Okay, good. Okay, so my headphones weren't actually connected before. So now that they're connected, it's working better. Oh, that will do it. Yes. Let me just say, good morning, John Z. Uh, I'm looking out on our yard. John's a gardener. John, a lot of dandelions. It's yes. disappointing. But... <laughs> Never mind a producer, John. Help. <laughs> yeah, that's a conversation <laughs> for another, another live stream. So let's get back to your story, Kiesta. Uh, I just went and read your blog post this morning. In fact, let me put that up for people who want to, um, let me feel that, who want to also look into it. Uh, two years ago and three weeks ago, 
you were in a really dark place. So tell us about what was going on with you that you were there and what, what turned a corner for you? Yeah. Um, so I actually really struggled with postpartum depression and anxiety when my children were born and they're now almost five and almost six. That was a long, longer time ago. Um, but I was recently talking about that with someone. And for me, that was the start of really understanding mental health and mental illness. I grew up in an air force family. So anxiety has always been a part of my story because when you're in the air force, you get plucked out of your life and shoved in a different life very quickly without much notice. And I didn't ever realize how much that actually did affect me until I was an adult. Then I had children and really got into actually drinking very um, often. And it would mm. be to the point where I would um, like actually pump breast milk so I could have a drink. So my children could still eat, but I could have that drink to make sure I got to the end of the day so I could be there for my kids tomorrow. That started me on the journey of finding like cycle bar and finding a new church and um, just really diving into who I was as a person and starting therapy and all those good things. And like you said, two years ago, COVID hit. I am um, extremely extroverted. I love being around people with people. And that was very quickly taken away from us. Again, a very quick change um, yeah. in my life is kind of a triggering pattern that I've noticed. And for me, that was it. I, I um, just got so out of my own comfort zone, didn't have anyone to have a coffee with, was just struggling to really get through every day because tomorrow is going to be the same. It's going to be we wake up, we do some work, we try to get through the day, and maybe one day we're going to be let out of our houses again. And yeah. so that really drew me up until um, actually to act on those thoughts of trying to commit suicide. And that, for me, I was like, oh, that can't happen. That wouldn't even happen to me. I think about it, but I would never act on those feelings. And then I did. And for mm -hmm. me, it was, it was scary. I was ashamed. I felt guilty. I literally for two years hid it away oh, from dear. the world. All right, we'll see. And the only people that really knew are some friends and my husband. So, um, yeah. yeah. Okay. And so, so, um, sorry, you cut out for a second. So I just want to make sure that we're back on the same page for everybody. So you, you acted on your depressed suicidal thoughts and very, very few people in your life knew that you had made that attempt. That's where yeah. you are. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I think we have known you maybe about two years, right? Is that mm -hmm. about how long we've known yeah. you? Um, so what's really fascinating is that even though your story isn't uh, traditionally about addiction the same way that Maz's is, the tendency to hide, to keep it to yourself, to have thoughts which you think you're not going to act on, but perhaps you do, all of that, sounds similar don't you agree it's, it's i think it's the, the tragedy and kiesa for, for, for god's sake jump in here if you've got something meaningful to say it's it's the tragedy of that feeling of loneliness and not belonging that really wears you down i mean you could be surrounded Absolutely. by people alone mm, yeah yeah that's true you can be surrounded by people and still feel alone so your blog post said that you know you had 
Zoom parties and you were doing things online, but it just it wasn't the same for you. So, um, okay, you you made an attempt. Clearly, it didn't. It, it wasn't successful. I, you know, and so. Yeah. That's fabulous. Congratulations yes. <laughs> on that. I mean, that's a weird way to say that, but but we're glad you're here. I'm sure Absolutely. there are many, many people who are glad you're here, including you. Tell us <clears throat> what in the world prompted you to go from being <clears throat> highlight real Kiesta to real, real Kiesta? Oh, good question. So... Um, like I said, with my story, there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of guilt. There's all those feelings and they still are there. Like, even when someone says, oh, I saw you on the news. I'm like, yeah. uh, like, is it a good, I saw you on the news or is it like you got triggered when you saw me on the news or like, I, there's still that feeling of not like being proud of my story, but I just, I don't know. I felt that I had to share it. And the reason I waited so long and I actually waited till May 1st was because it's mental health awareness month. And I felt like I needed that backing, which sounds so crazy as I say it out loud. I needed the backing of a national movement to tell my story in order to not feel so judged or attention seeking or any of those things that are really the things that stopped me from ever telling people. Because you can't see my thoughts. You can't see that sometimes, even though I'm smiling on the outside, I really just wanna be at home alone and just sitting with my own thoughts to get through them. But right now I'm just trying to get through that. Um, for me, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people in our lives we um, talk to on a daily basis that we interact with and they're smiling and they have those thoughts and we need to get to the point where we ask. We ask the question, are you okay? You're kind of being short with me. I'm wondering if you're all right versus taking it offense to that and taking it on us because that's how I was. I used to be brash and short and my fuse was probably like this long. Someone would say one wrong word and I would blow up. That's just not being mentally healthy. Yeah. And I wish I would have known that earlier. I wish someone would have grabbed me and shaken me and said, hey, this isn't you, figure it out. But I'm glad we're getting in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you said a number of things that just so resonated for me. I you know, I have often said that <clears throat> I I really was concerned. I was not concerned about going public with our story. I was concerned that people were going to think I was trying to um, get attention by going public with our story because everybody knows that I am an actor. Everybody knows that I want to be on camera and in front of audiences and um, I did not want people to think that I felt like, oh, wow, Maz's addiction and our survival of it is an amazing opportunity for me to shoot to stardom. <laughs> um, that that felt like a really real consideration that we had to work through above and beyond the shame and stigma of it, which was substantial. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean... Obviously, everyone I worked with knew about this because, you know, they were there. The university didn't care because I kept my job. So I thought, well, if it's one of the adages of teaching, if you can reach one person, it's all worth it. So we did it. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I've not had anyone say to me, gosh, it's really handy that your husband became an alcoholic and you parlayed that into a pretend <laughs> TV program. Um, but I, I am aware of it uh, and think that there is a fine line between doing it to get attention and doing it to offer hope and healing. And so I, I just want to say to you, Kiesta, as someone who has uh, worried about the same thing, there may be people who roll their eyes and think, oh, there's Kiesta. Look at her getting all this attention. There, there may be people who think that. Let them think it because somebody probably heard you and thought, wow, if she can do it, maybe I can too. And that's far, far yeah. more important than the people who want to judge you for maybe trying to get attention. Absolutely. One, actually, Mads alluded to it perfectly. I went to school to be a teacher. I was a teacher for six years. It's I in my blood. If I, can help I, I want to help that. someone. Yeah. Yeah, I taught fifth grade for six years. And um, even noticing some of those things with children and their mental health needs are again, what just caused me to like, okay, pray on this for a few days. If it's still on your heart to share your story, do it because, because that's what you are put on this earth to do. You lived through your story so you could tell your story and that's yeah. it. And like you said, I have to just tell it and let it go at the end of the day. People can literally think what they want, but yeah. it's not going to stop me. Right. Right. Because we know what silence does for people. Silence further increases the shame, the stigma, the isolation, the um, nobody else has ever experienced this. I mean, I let me, let me ask you this because I have often marveled at the fact that I think both of us felt like we can't tell anyone what's going on at our house because nobody will understand it. Like nobody else had ever dealt with alcoholism in their lives. We were the only people oh, on yeah. the planet who had any idea. Did you feel like you were the only person who had a seemingly perfect life when in actuality there was a lot of darkness and despair underneath it. Is that what kept you quiet or or why didn't you feel like you could reach out sooner? Um, I think it was a sum of all of those things and it's uh, my closest friends. Some of my closest friends knew almost like within the first year um, because I was like, well, if I just kind of go off the grid, I want you guys to let me know and like check on me and just say, hey, how are you doing? And they literally do that to this day. I'm very active on Facebook um, and Instagram and all the things just because I have a direct sales business. I do teach Cycle Bar. I have a lot going on um, and I love to post about my kids because they're the cutest things ever. And as they those posts go, <laughs> as those posts keep going on, people are like, okay, She's still, she's still here. She's doing good. And then they stop and people literally will text me like, what is going on? Are you okay? And I, that is a gift to me. And I thank God for that every single day that that's the support I've um, really kept close around me. And the other point what you were saying, Dana, is like having your husband's story and you're telling that. For me, it was different because it's my story and I'm telling it. But my husband was a very big part of it. My husband was the one who actually stopped me and saved me. And for me to tell my story, it's also kind of outing him too. And he was also hiding it too, because out of respect for me and yeah. my feelings, because it isn't his story to share, but he is a very big part of it. So part of that two years as well was like 
him and I had to get comfortable saying the word suicide and not like feeling like our butterflies in our stomach or things like that happen where I could get comfortable um, with my, my story. And recently I go to Prairie Heights, we attend Prairie Heights and I was dunked, which is um, equivalent to like the believer baptism. That was, that happened last October in October, 2021, where I was all, I was planning to have that um, done then, but you actually have to type out your story. And I was not able to type out my story in October with the truth, with the vulnerability that I needed to share. So I, I did not go through with it. That's why I waited until May until I was actually able to type the words that I was meaning to say without having a reaction inside that I wasn't able to get through emotionally and mentally. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. I, I love that you're, it, you're telling your story and it is so similar to ours. I say all the time, this is Maz's story, but I was a very active oh, yeah, participant <laughs> in the story. So it is my story. But at the end of the day, ultimately, Maz had to decide that he was comfortable with us going public with it because he had the most to lose. I felt shame as the spouse of an addict, but it is not the same as being an addict or being the one who was depressed. It It is ultimately your story. And Jason is a, a player. It's your story. And I'm a player. And I think um, we we get to own our piece of it, but it is not the same as being the lead of the story. I wanna put a comment up from John Kiesta so you can see this. I can attest that all of your messages, guests and interviews have been amazingly enlightening and they make a difference in many people's lives. I know they reach many people. You should all be proud of the messages being delivered. Oh, thanks, Jill. Yeah, thank you for that, John. And I think, Yes, yeah, so let me ask you this. Now, it's only been four days since you went really public with this, but has anybody written to you with, with criticism or um, a little bit of, wow, really, you wanted to go public with this? Or has the support been overwhelming? Um, actually, not one person has reached out in a negative way to me, actually. So I've been very blessed with that. And uh, I just pretend like they're not saying anything negative anyway. And that's great. If they want to see it to my face, I, I'd rather that than not, actually. Yep. But yep. Um, I actually was immediately um, kind of bombarded with messages on my Facebook uh, messenger about people who either said, thank you, this is my story too. I'm not ready to share it. Uh, can we have a coffee so I can understand your feelings? Because I'm feeling the same way and wondering how you got through them. Or I just needed you to say that so I didn't feel alone. Yeah. And for me, I keep showing, and then that's what I show Jason. I show him all of these messages and things because again, he supports me, but to help him understand the why behind this, because like yeah. you said, it's been a very short amount of time where it's like, Hey world, this is what's going on in a lot of different platforms. And for him to see that it's really doing good in the moment, it's helping him really just not really feel any shame on his side of things too. I, I can say that is exactly what we experienced. I was overwhelmed at the amount of people who wrote to us, people I grew up with, people I knew from really peripheral places, um, just shocked me at how many people wrote and said some version of, boy, this has happened in my life too. Yeah. And, and this way, it, in fact, 
it started to kind of be too much for me because we told our story slowly over nine weeks and um it but in the weeks where it was really at the bottom of our story i i really struggled emotionally it was hard to go back to where we had been three years earlier and it was hard to hear from all those people that they were feeling the same way to know how many people felt that hopeless dark despair was really really challenging for me and took me a long time to process because it kind of re it's like we ripped a band-aid off of what i thought i had worked through and i realized i still had a lot of stuff to work through so i wonder if jason is feeling a little bit that way too it's traumatic to watch someone you love go through something that difficult suicide addiction whatever it is it's really traumatic to be a participant in that to know that you carry some of the weight of helping to bring them around i mean there's a lot of heaviness to being the partner that we don't really talk about and i didn't realize how much i still needed to work through until people started to pour out to us where they were too so i think i think it's important for you to be aware that it's an amazing thing to have people say thank you for doing this and it's a heavy responsibility to carry it too we have some other things i want to put up patty sen runs the new um soul solutions so thank you patty and kiesta my mother are trying one person without knowing i would dare say that anyone that has some criticism of someone bearing their personal story is worried about something similar personally. I bet that's true almost you know all what? the time. I was going to bring it up. It's, yeah. it's, it's tragically true. And that the most tragic thing about this is I actually do sound like my mother when I say this. <laughs> my mother's answer to everything was be, oh, don't listen to them. They're jealous. And the older <laughs> I've got, I think, damn it, she might be right. <laughs> I, I do think that there is a a portion of people who um are critical because they're not yet at a place where they can say oh they're afraid boy i'm here might too. happen to them too yeah yeah the, that's the other thing and i experienced this when my parents got divorced so I, i've had this experience multiple times in my life but often i think when somebody's life looks perfect your life looks friggin perfect kiesta you got these like barbie doll children you have this super cute little life all these things look amazing if your life isn't what you're showing and I don't feel perfect, then yeah. what hope do I have? And I think that it creates an anxiety I, that I absolutely, my, my childhood life looked really good to people. And when that fell apart, people didn't know how to deal with it because I think it caused them to, to think, boy, I have to now assess my own life. And if, if theirs isn't perfect, what does that say about me? And I think that there's a lot of that that happens um, because we've gotten super comfortable with the highlight reel and feeling like everybody else's life is so much better than our own. When in actuality, everybody's got some garbage yeah. somewhere in their lives. They're either trying desperately to make sure nobody sees or they're choosing to be honest about and both bring consequences. Absolutely. And that, um, and some of the people that have reached out are like, I hope one day I can tell my story because this and this and this has happened. 
a few of the messages I got, I read and I just had to mark them unread and come back to them because of what, um, what was said in them was so heavy. And I chose to look at them before I was like going to work. Right. And I, I work at a chiropractic office where people come in very happy and I typically have a lot of energy. And so having people come in the office, I knew that I needed to be my authentic self and, and just not deal with that right that moment. And eventually I did respond and thank those people because for them, that's a big step forward telling someone they barely know, or maybe know very well, but have been hiding it from me for a long time. Yeah. Um, has really helped that as well. And what you said about looking good on Facebook versus not looking good on Facebook, it's that shift of mindset where as people and humans, we need to stop caring what people think about how we look and just be our authentic selves. That is so much easier said than done. Yeah. Because you, you go to a party and you text your friends like, what are you wearing to this party? I don't know if I wanna be over or underdressed. Wear what you want, like yeah. wear what you want. And that's for me, is just something I'm also getting through. It's like the trauma of my childhood brings me back there quite often. And I'm like, okay, that's why you feel so judged when you wear the, this certain thing or or when you choose this certain thing over that. For instance, yeah. choosing to go out by myself with my girlfriends and staying home with my family. There yep. was some judgment there because my mom really was home with us all of our lives. So mm -hmm. then I would, that was where the fear came from. So yeah. even my, my actions compared to my past actions have been hard to work through for myself. Yeah, you open up a, a really interesting can of worms when you choose to go public with something yeah. that a lot of people are afraid to be public about. Um, and a lot of those, a lot of the worms are your own judgment of where you were, who you are. Um, so this is from a long, long, long time ago, a uh, school classmate of mine, Michelle, I too think others are uncomfortable with our pain, grief, struggle, et cetera. So they criticize what they don't yet understand. Well, so Michelle has had her own really difficult heartbreaks, which I don't need to reveal on this show, but she, Michelle, I know that you are, um, you know of what you speak. So thank you for sharing that with us. And let me just say, thank you for being as honest about the things that you've struggled with too, because you've opened a pathway for people to, yeah. um, wow, to deal with loss and grief in really, really extraordinary ways. So thanks for that. Um, so Kiesta, what is, what do you want next from all of this? I mean, that's kind of a funny question, but what do you hope this does? I guess let's, let's leave it at that. Um, I honestly just hope people start see like honestly seeing this news story on my Facebook come up on their feed later on and because Facebook stays around, you know, and it's gonna come up later and my blog post will come up every year or whatever. And as the time goes on, I want more people to see that just because what you post on Facebook looks perfect doesn't mean you have to be perfect and you're allowed to have your feelings, even if you've been hiding them for a long time, they're still valid, they're still real, and they're still yours and you own them. Share them with the world if you are ready, if that's something you feel comfortable doing. Um, I just want people to see that what they saw in me and what was the reality was not true. And that if that is their story, to let the, the actual version of them come to light because it's okay. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah it, it's a hard lesson. And I, it'll be interesting to see how
the younger generation who has no touch point of life pre-social media, how they navigate that. They may, <clears throat> they may do it way better than those of us who came to social media later in life did because it won't feel like it has to be perfect because that is their reality. They are living their lives socially. Um, so maybe there will be a lot more honesty on social media and maybe there won't be. It's hard to say. Yeah, I've been wondering how to say this. and <clears throat> Hopefully you just take it as a compliment or just something I wish for you. But I, when I start, well, my second AA meeting I went to, we when I was still in treatment, they busted us out to St. Olivet. I went to an, um, an all men's. Not saint, just Olivet. Oh, Olivet, yes. It's a Lutheran <laughs> church, yeah. Uh, um, so I walked in this room, and there was a couple of hundred men in there. And two things happened to me simultaneously. One, I was kind of scared and worried. And then I was relieved because I didn't feel alone. I was in a room that had no judgment and everyone was in there for the same reason. I thought, my God, there are so many people with this disease that I have. It weirdly made me feel better. I hope something similar like that happens for you. Yeah, that's lovely. I, I think I've said this a billion times, but the community that that 12 step programs or other other um, sobriety or sober curious programs create, I think is something we should be striving to have in everybody's life. We all need places to gather with people who <clears throat> are there for a yeah. specific challenge and understand the challenge, regardless what else is happening in your life. Everything else could be great and you have depression. Those can exist together and if you, if you don't have a place where somebody else can look at you and say, I see you and I understand you and I accept you as opposed to, but Kiesta, you have healthy children and you have a happy marriage and you live in a house. I mean, yeah. you know, like if, if people can only see you and try to help you by sort of shaming you out of depression or shaming you out of feeling inferior or imposter or however you are, you can't get better. You need somebody who says you have all these amazing things in your life and you struggle with depression. Welcome. Mm -hmm. And I think we need more of that because then we can be, we can feel free to be honest because it feels safe. You know, I've got a couple of stories for you. Hopefully <laughs> this will help one of them. So the year before, um, I ended up in hospital with my addiction. I went home on my own and I, I hung out with one of my oldest and dearest friends. Oh, you friends. went to England. I went yes. to England. Yeah. And, you know, we just sat in a bar chatting. And when I met him, when we went seven months after I was sober, we went out for a meal and I said to him, look, I'm an, I'm, I'm an alcoholic. And, and he just told me, he said, well, you look great. You look better than the last time I saw you. And he just grabbed hold of me as I've been suffering from depression for years and I've never been able to tell anyone. And he just came out of the blue. And he, when I was talking to him later, he said, it's just nice to know that everyone you know isn't perfect. It makes you feel better, weirdly. Mm -hmm. 
But uh, we, he, he just, I mean, we text each other every now and then, and he, he, every, he brings it up a lot. He said, I just love the fact that I'm not the only one who's been suffering. It makes me feel better. And, you know, it was just that heartfelt, I'm not alone thing. It's weird that that, that doesn't happen enough. And you need people to be brutally honest. Our step, oh, our our sister in law, we were having a Zoom call. <laughs> She's French, <laughs> and Dana's brother was going, "Oh, Mazzy, I, you know, you didn't look that bad when when you were drinking." And she went, "Oh, where's Delval? He looks terrible." <laughs> she says, "Mazzy, you look great now, but you look terrible." And you need, you know, for me, <laughs> that honesty kind of helped. So, oh yeah. I, well, Dana's pointed it out too. I did look pretty rough, but you know, you can see an improvement. And I, I think that's easier for someone who physically looked bad. And I hope, um, you know, you can get to the position where you can feel that way too, because it's all, you know, you've got that turnover in your, in your head. And I, I just, the only way I can explain it is my head is quieter. There's no yelling going on in there anymore. It just feels great to just almost to sit in silence because I never had that for a long time. Mm. So I hope you reach that point too. Absolutely. Well, and someone had recently asked, and so I posted my blog on May 1st, then I was on the news this past on Memorial Day, and then now this, and I was actually on a friend's podcast about a month and a half ago or something close to that. And those are the little tiny steps that have, like I said, really in the last couple months, just woo, um, blown this up. And just like you said, I want someone to, like when I hear those stories, I feel better. I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. wait, it is invisible. And that's the part about it, it's invisible. You don't see my thoughts. I don't wear a shirt that says I live with depression and anxiety on it. Like I maybe some days I wish I would and <laughs> some people would like treat you differently. I actually heard, um, of story in a book about a church in England who way back when they um, would escort the family of a deceased person at a funeral in to and out of a different entrance than the rest of the people in order for the parishioners of the church to treat them differently because they were grieving. So since they entered a certain, I'll find where the book that I read this, it was, I read two books recently, so it's in one of those two. I'll find that and let you guys know so you can post it. And so I'm not totally pulling this out of nowhere. But that to me was like, I wonder why we as a society haven't gotten past that, gotten farther from that. Because I think that if everyone that struggled with alcoholism, that if they came in a certain door to target versus everybody else, we would treat them differently. Like we would say, oh, there, there's alcohol over there. Let's maybe let's go this way. Because we don't yeah. know your struggles. We don't know your boundaries where we walk around and you as well. I've never known you as an alcoholic. I've never, mm -hmm. I never got to see you that way. And so I don't, I never, I didn't see the transition. I just know the person you are today and at Cycle Bar and you don't wear a shirt that says I'm an alcoholic or I am suffer from alcoholism and all those things. And nor should we have to, I've never treated you differently and you've never treated me differently and you still haven't. That isn't normal. That's not the norm in our country, which to me, one day I hope that's what this all does. I hope everyone just sharing out their most vulnerable moments lets everybody know it's okay to not be okay. Be curious over being judgmental and you're yeah. not perfect either. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yes. If you want to, uh, I mean, just, you know, if you want to 
pull the toothpick out of someone else's eye, maybe check the log in your own. And, you yeah. know, there are some there are some great moments in the Bible, whether you ascribe to it or not, that are good reminders. Focus on yourself. You've got plenty to work on. Well, Kiesta, uh, let me just say thanks for being brave. Yes, and definitely. sharing your story. There's no way that won't make a difference because. Oh, I think it will. I think it probably already yeah, has. You, you just, you really look like you've landed in this extraordinary pot of gold and you have, and in the pot of gold is also depression and anxiety and uh, judgment, self-judgment, all those things. And that is true for all of us. So thanks for peeling back those perfect layers and, and being yeah. willing to show some of the stuff that's hard because that's the only, that's the only part of us that actually really matters. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for inviting me to be on today. Yeah, well, we will. Uh, thank you. We'll see you at spin sooner than later. I imagine. <laughs> Sounds perfect. Bye you guys. Bye-bye. Everybody Kiesa. else. Thank you. We'll see you on Tuesday. Have a great weekend. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and DD. If you enjoyed the content and want to learn more, head over to Facebook to Daily Dose Dr. Mary DD. You can find us on YouTube under Dana DelVal. And if you want to get signed up for our weekly newsletter, email me at D-A-Y-N-A at D-A-Y-N-A-D-E-L-V-A-L dot com. Have a great day. We hope to see you soon. Bye-bye.